Well, good morning, everybody. So glad that you made it out to Rice Church today. Excited to be here, even though it's raining um, a very uncharacteristically like Texas, I guess. I guess everything is bigger in Texas, so it's going to rain like crazy right now. And so, hey, give yourselves a hand clap. You're here. You made it. You guys are awesome. So happy that you're here. We're starting a brand new series today called Hooked. Everybody say Hooked. Come on, look at your neighbor say Hooked. Yeah, it's easy to say because we're going to talk about how to be fishers of men. You need to know this, that you and I have a commission. We're going to talk about that today. So if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 5 is where we're going to be, Luke chapter 5. And uh, if you're a guest with us for the very first time, so glad that you're with us today. Hey, come out at least three times is what I always encourage. Come check us out because, hey, I might be off or, you know, there just might be something weird or the rain might be crazy right now. And next week we're going to pray and believe God together. Come on that there's not going to be any rain next Sunday, okay? It's like, I'm glad for the rain. We need the rain, but it can rain six more days of the week other than Sunday. And so uh, let's just pray that next week it don't happen like that. And so we got two more weeks leading up to Easter, and uh, I'm excited because we got a lot of stuff in store for Easter, obviously. It's going to be awesome. So Luke chapter 5 is where we're at today. All those listening on our podcast want to welcome you as well. A lot of people listened before, so if you're on your treadmill or you're on your way to work, so glad that you're uh, joining us as well. So just real quick, give you some context uh, before we jump into Luke chapter 5. Luke is a gospel in the New Testament, so the Bible split up into kind of the Old Testament and the New Testament. New Testament is kind of the back half of the Bible or the back third of the Bible. And uh, the New Testament starts off with what we call four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's really the life of Jesus. And Luke uh, was a doctor. He was a physician telling a very specific story of the life of Jesus. So he's a guy who's about the details. He's a guy who's trying to make sure you're not missing something. He wants to make sure that when you read about the life of Jesus, that you can go back and tell someone exactly what happened because he was commissioned to do that. And so in Luke chapter five, uh, specifically this part of Jesus's life, he is already already been baptized. So Jesus was baptized kind of at the beginning of his ministry. So he was 33 years old when he died. He had a 30, uh, he, he was at a three-year ministry. So around 30, he gets baptized by John the, the Baptist or baptizer. You know, he's not Baptist, you know, that's not his religion. So he's just, or denomination, he's just Baptist because he baptized someone. And so um, it's kind of funny. Anyway, so, uh, so John baptizes Jesus, then Jesus goes and gets tempted in the wilderness. And then he starts his ministry and he starts healing people and he starts you know, changing lives and adjusting things, and he's having a great time. And then it comes to Luke chapter 5, where he starts to build his following. He starts to build the church. He starts to build this thing. He's like, you know what, I got to start letting some people get in on this thing that I'm trying to do, because once I'm not going to be here, you, I got to have somebody to pass it off to. And so Luke chapter 5, he kind of gives us this insight to uh, a couple of people that he meets uh, in Luke chapter 5, verse 1, and if you don't have it, we'll put it up on the screens, or uh, we're kind of be up, and so I'm trying this new TV thing, so it's going to be kind of cool, so if I use it, it's going to be great. If not, I might forget that it's there. So anyway, uh, Luke chapter 5, uh, it says, on one occasion, everybody say, one occasion. So this is one particular time, uh, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, or it's the Sea of Galilee, you might have heard of that. Verse 2, and he says, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. So what you need to understand is that the fishermen had already uh, fished. They were washing their nets. You wash your nets after fishing. So we're used to like fishing with a pole, right? You know, like if I go out fishing with something, I, I put something on the bait and I that's like kind of the Western way of fishing. That Well, their, their Middle Eastern way of fishing was you fish together, you fished in a group, and you fished with nets. And so for you to, when you were done, you cleaned them, and we'll explain why later, but you cleaned them, and so he was, they were done uh, kind of, you know, 
with their, with their fishing for the day, so they're washing the nets. And getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught from the boat. Verse 4, and he says, And when he had finished speaking, he had said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. So again, now you got to understand what's happening. Jesus is walking into, he is a rabbi, he's walking into professional, think of it, commercial fishermen who make their living catching fish, Okay. He walks up to them. He says, hey, stop what you're doing for just a second. Stop your livelihood. I'm going to use it for a second. I'm going to teach a message. And then when he was done, Jesus does something that I think is kind of interesting because he looks at professional fishermen and say, hey, I know you think you're done, but just put it back down again. Like he says, I know you're finished and I know it was hard and you, and you worked all night and it was all this kind of stuff, but like, try again. So he walks up, okay, this is not, Jesus is not a fisherman, okay? He's not doing, he's, he, doesn't, he doesn't really know the, you know, the intricacies of how to do what they're doing, but he says, hey, you know what? I'm done speaking and I, I just, I'm so good. I want to bless you. Go ahead and put your nets down again. And this is what his response was. Verse five, Simon says, but master, we toiled all night and took nothing. He said, you don't understand. We know what we're doing. Like, we do this on a regular basis. We didn't catch nothing last night. That's kind of the prime time to catch things. We're not going to catch something if you make us throw down the net now. Like, it's just not going to happen. We did it all night. But, all right, listen. There's a lot of people looking at us, and this is what he says. He says, but look, at your word, all right, we're going to let it down. All right, just because you, you, you seem pretty popular. You got a following. You're a rabbi. You're out on the, you know, you just, I'm sure you're going to walk on water. Somebody's it's kind of weird. So let's just kind of, let's walk that out. And he says in verse 6, and when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. So, so they followed Jesus. This is a good, just a little side note. This is even in my notes that if you're ever looking to get blessed, it's always on the other side of obedience. So your blessing, what you're looking for, what you're praying for is on typically, typically, if you look inside scripture, it's on the other side of what God's asking you to do. So if you want be, to be blessed, you need to be obedient. That, that's free. That's good for the price. But you made it through the rain. That was good. All right. So verse 10, he says and this. So he jumps to verse 10. We'll just kind of pick up the story. And he says, and Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, this is important. He says, from now on, you will be catching men. And when they brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. They left everything and followed him. If you're taking notes today, my, the title of my message is To Follow is to Fish. To Follow is to Fish. And with that, let's pray. Father, we just love you, God. Thank you that you're here today, God. We're, we're here. We walk through the rain, not for a, a church or a denomination, God, for a religion. We walk through the rain for you because we know that, God, when we are gathered together in your local church, we believe that lives are changed. We're going to hear a good word. And God, we're not just going to hear information. We're going to be transformed by the power of what we heard. So we're going to walk out of here today different and changed in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Um, how many of y'all in here are married? Raise your hand if you're married in here. Raise your hand. Come on like you're proud of it. Okay, so okay, you got you're married. You know what's interesting is I was a different person before I met my wife. Now, how many of y'all would say, like, you were a different person before you met your spouse, right? Good or bad, it don't matter. You know, just, like, they either made you better or they made you worse. Whatever it was, it's a catalyst, right? I always tell young people, they're like, well, when we get married, everything's going to be okay. I'm like, well, if everything's not okay now, it, when you get married, it doesn't make it, like, everything okay. It's not like, a, what happens is it's magnified. So if you have issues now and you got problems now, it just magnifies the issues because now you're throwing in two people and now you're going to have some kids and you're throwing some mortgage and you got a car payment and you're driving around San Antonio traffic. It's going to be crazy. 
But when I first met my wife, you know, I was a different person. Before I met my wife, I'll just give you an example. You know, um, I didn't eat the same way I eat now. My typical diet was I ate pizza rolls from the morning until night. Like I had pizza rolls for breakfast. I had pizza rolls for lunch. I had pizza rolls for dinner. And then at night, I'd wake up in the middle of the night. I'd have a little bit of ice cream with a side of pizza rolls. That's just how I ate. But when I met my wife, my wife introduced me to this idea of vegetables. They're green. I didn't know what that, I'm like, I didn't even know those existed. That sounds great. Let's try them out. And they were terrible. And so they, and they still are terrible. But, you know, she, she introduced me to them and I ate differently because, well, now that I met her, it's a, it's a little different. When my, my style was different. I remember when I first, you know, started dressing around her, you know, she, I wore like ripped jeans and I had like, you know, like a slouchy shirt and I, you know, I was punk rock everything. And, you know, I had like this weird purple shirt. She, she, the first thing she did when we got married, I had this cool, I loved it. It was like my purple workout shirt from Gold's Gym or something. It was like a, it was a purple and it had holes in it. And it was so comfortable. Y'all guys, you know what I'm talking about? Like that shirt you had from college that you just love and it's your shirt and it's going to make it to you, to you you know, till you die. Well, my wife killed that shirt. She got rid of it the moment we got married because she said, you can't look like, a, you know, you, you look like just you're terrible. You look terrible. You look terrible. And so she introduced me to things like jackets and, and, and shirts that had buttons on them and jeans that fit and not flip-flops, but actual shoes. You know, I'm from California. Everything was flip-flops. I'm like, granny flip-flops. The snow is flip-flops. The sun is flip-flops. Just flip-flop life. So that's what I did. Hashtag, you know, you know, anyway, so I was just trying to, uh, just to make it. But when I, I met her, she changed it. You know, my hygiene, I didn't shave as much. I, I shave, even though I don't look like I shave. I do shave now. I, I clean. I didn't, I, I, she introduced me to like nose hair trimmers. You know, you guys, you know what I'm saying? Like some of y'all in here need to be introduced. Let me tell you, there is such a thing as nose hair trimmers. I'll be talking to you and I'm like trying to pray and I can't just get my mind. There's just a hair just sticking out. You. Anyway, but, but uh, I didn't shave as much. I didn't shower as much. Come on, y'all, right? Like, and some guy, I talked to a guy one time. He's like, man, I just want to find a girl. I'm like, well, you just need to take a shower. If you took a shower, you might find a girl. You know, but I remember my wife, I got lucky, and she's like, you know what, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have, like, you know, you're going to get a groom a little differently, you know. I didn't go to bed at the same time. How many of y'all stayed up all hours of the night when you were younger, right? Y'all did that? And then when I met her, she was like, hey, we go to bed at, at a decent hour. And I'm like, I don't, what does that mean? I, I don't want to go to bed at a decent hour. And she goes, that's fine. And she turned the TV off. She said, turned off all the lights, and she's like, my, my, I guess I got to go to bed. I, everything's off. But I remember when I met my wife, so I was one person before, right? And then I met her, she comes into the picture, and now I'm somebody different. And the story that, that we read about was that there were some people who met, who were one person first, they were doing one thing first, then they met Jesus, and then now there's somebody different. Their lives changed. They did things differently. They, their purpose even kind of adjusted the way that they, they looked at things were different. And the danger of our life, okay, the danger of even our culture is that I hear a lot of people who say, I want to be different. I want to have better. I want to do things in life. I want to have purpose. I want to go do things. I want to adjust my life. I want to make sure I make a difference and yet never change anything. And the point of meeting Jesus is not so that you can continue to do what you do all along since you were younger before you knew Jesus. Because Jesus has a way of when you meet him, like really meet him, like really have a connection with him. When you meet Jesus, there's something that happens inside of you where all of a sudden what you used to do just doesn't feel the same. Like what you used to, like I remember like when I started eating different kinds of food, the pizza rolls really lost their luster, honestly. Like when I started eating real food, you start to notice the taste of chemicals in terrible food. 
And just like that, when you're looking at food, when you come to Jesus, like all of a sudden the things that used to satisfy you don't really have the same satisfying power, if you know what I'm saying. Like it's all the stuff that you used to, that's not even necessarily sin, but I'm just talking about like the things that you used to find comfort, the things you used to find peace in, the things you used to find value and joy. You don't really find that anymore because you found something extremely better. And when you meet Jesus, it kind of changes you. And when those people met Jesus they understood that. You and I need to know this, that if you're a Christian in here, if you follow God or if you follow Jesus or you follow the Bible and you're trying to walk this thing out as a Christian, you need to understand that the whole premise of our faith is built on a man named Jesus who lived a sinless life, died. Okay, We're still not even differentiating from a lot of just different types of God. But here's what happened. Then he rises again. So then he, he resurrects himself, and now he lives forever. So now we're not, guess what? We're not denominationites. We're Christians. We're not denominations. We're Christians, which means we follow a, a man. And when you connect with that man, he changes everything. And for them, it changed their purpose. They went from fishing for fish to now, what Jesus, to now fishing for Men, when Jesus comes down, he changes you. You need to know this, that if you follow God right now, you're in the fishing business. Now, you didn't know that. You're a fisherman. Like, no, pastor, I, you know, I work at, you know, the, the hospital. I'm in the military. I, you know, I, I'm a construction worker. You know, I work at Panera. No, you need to understand. You are in the fishing business. So at Jesus' beginning of his ministry, he establishes that we're fishing. And at the end of it, he does it too. I'll show it to you. Matthew chapter 28, he says this. Oh, okay. I'll preach in the dark. I don't care. Matthew chapter 28, he says this. He says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. To who? To, to me? To, to the person or to Jesus, right? To Jesus. So he says, it's been given to me. Therefore, go. Everybody say go. And, and he says, and make disciples. Everybody say make. So he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, in the name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. You need to understand. So we've had a lot of visitors come into our church. Uh, we launched in October of last year, kind of September 30th, which is like October 1st. So we just launched at the end of September. There you go. See? And so we launched at the end of September. And so since then, we've been open six months. We've had 1,500 unique people walk through our church. It's incredible. Like, God's just doing an incredible thing here. But that comes with a lot of guests. And so I want to just, it's like a, we're going to have a little bit of the state of the church today. All right? I'm going to tell you exactly what this church is all about. We're going to put up our mission statement, and I'm going to talk to you about that. Our mission statement is this. We're going to put on the things. Our mission at Rise is to do this, is to reach people. Put it up. Boop. There you go. Reaching people and building lives. We're going to say reaching people, building lives. You need to understand that if you come to this church, what you are about are reaching people and building lives. Now, that's not unique to us. That's unique to Christians because we didn't make that. We stole it. You want to know who we stole it from? Jesus. We stole from Jesus. Oh, man. I feel bad about that. Not really. Because he invented the great co Mission, the, 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 the mission of our church is to reach people and build lives. The mission of our church is not we're good, you're not. And a lot of churches are like that. A lot of churches, we figured it out. We're good. Sorry to be you. You don't know what you're doing out there, world. We're good in here. So we're going to have our church, and we're going to have our holy huddles, and there's two and three and four no more. 
Most churches that, come on, that you've been to, that I've been to, that I grew up in, was like, we're good and you're not. That's not the mission of our church. Our mission of our church is based on the great commission. It's based on scripture. It's based on the Bible. I'm a Bible teacher. I'm not a self-help guru. If you're looking to feel good, this is probably not your place. But I want to show you the God of the Bible because he established the mission of the Bible. And you need to know that you and I play a part in the great commission. It's a great commission. That means there's two, but there's a mission that God has established. And when he left in Matthew chapter 28, he leaves and then he leaves this mission for all of us to fulfill. That your and our mission is to go and to make disciples. So today I'm going to talk to you about the go part of that mission, the go part, which is the reaching people part of that mission. Because here's what I know to be a fact. You cannot make unless you go. You, you, you cannot build unless you reach. So I can't build anybody if there ain't nobody inside of our church. You can't disciple someone if they don't know about Jesus. And they might not know about Jesus if you don't know how to go fish. And so a lot of us, what we do is we kind of sit back and what we think is, is we go like, okay, there's 2.2 million people inside of San Antonio and it's growing one of the fastest growing churches or cities in the entire world. In fact, um, we, we are the seventh largest city in the entire, uh, inside of all of America. Like we are huge and there's people moving, especially to our side of town at all times. There's a lot of need. And what happens is, is when inside modern church, what you do is you and I get used to coming to church and sitting on a chair and watching the pastor, and singing the songs, and drinking the coffee, and, you know, tweeting it out, and posting on Facebook, and making sure people know you're Christian during Sunday for an hour a week, and then assuming the professional Christian, which you think I am, because I'm the pastor, well, you're the pastor, you're the professional, like, you know how to do this, so go reach people, and I'm saying, no, 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 go reach people, that our church and our job is to go and to reach people. We believe in the, uh, we, we, we say this uh, a lot, we believe in the, the, the New Testament church, the New Testament model, which means we need to believe in the priesthood of the believer, that there is no longer a version of Christianity or religion where you have to now, to go to God, you have to go through a priest. That Jesus comes down, tears the veil, and now all of a sudden you have access to the same God that you and I worship together as I do. So now you as a New Testament church and as a New Testament believer, we're fishermen. So we believe in the Ephesians model. I'll read it to you. Ephesians 4 says this, and he gave the prophet, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. So they, okay, let's just assume we walk in that, that vein, that there's some specific people who've been called by God to do specific things on a higher level than most people. But guess what? Here's what's interesting. All of those fivefold ministry people, you know what their purpose is? Let's, I'll show it to you. Their purpose is to do this. Keep going. I'll show you. Go to the next one. Push button. Forward. Okay. So here's what it is. It says to equip. Everybody say equip. Come on. Like you mean it and you got Red Bull and you say equip. All right. So to equip the saints. Everybody say saints. Okay. We're going to come back to that. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Now, do you want to know who the saints are? No, no. Okay. Do you really want to know who the Do you really want to know who the saints are? Okay. All right. So like lift up your hand. Come on. Humor me, put your hand up like you got deodorant on. All right, and point to your head. Come on, point to yourself. And everybody say this together on the count of three. Say me, one, two, three, me. Yeah, you are the saint. So my job, okay, as a pastor, because I'm in that fivefold, okay, as a pastor, my job is to equip you to go fish. 
And some of you in here are like, no, I don't, I've never heard that before. You the priest, you the pastor, you the bishop, you go ahead. Like, go reach people. And the problem is, is when you think like that, it's an unbiblical thought, number one. And number two, we're not going to fulfill your own purpose in life. Because we'll go back to it. What did Jesus say? It's the great co-mission that you and I got a mission that you need to wake up every day wondering, how am I going to go fish? Not how am I going to make money? Not how am I going to make it in life? Now, how am I going to make sure these kids get to school? I mean, like, those are all important. But your purpose, your number one purpose is to reach people. It is a great co-mission. It is your duty. It is my duty to evangelize the world, to reach people for Jesus. I don't talk about God because I'm a pastor to people. I talk to people about God because I'm a Christian. I invite people to church because I'm a Christian. I believe in this thing because I'm a Christian. I gave my life to the local church because I'm a Christian. I believe that when Jesus died, people always say, like, well, you know, they talk about all these things, and religion will make you feel like you need to die for the church. You don't need to die. Jesus already died for the church. That seat's taken. You need to live for it. We need to live for it. We need to live for it. Can we be a church that lives for the very mechanism that God created in this earth when he left? He said, go and make, go and make. And I know this, you can't make unless you go. So here's what the enemy does. I'll just give you an idea. So we're opposed. You and I have an enemy. There is a devil. He don't, I don't think he has red horns and a pitchfork, but he's real. And you need to know this, that the moment you start to think about your purpose in fishing, he, he starts talking. Have you ever noticed that when you start to do the right thing under God, all of a sudden stuff happens? Have you ever noticed that? Will you just be like, God, really? Like, and you start like almost blaming God. You're like asking, God, why would this ever happen? And he's going, well, you're, you're in a war. Like there's, you're opposed. Somebody doesn't want you to talk to someone about me. Because if they did, if you did, and they met Jesus, their life would be better, and therefore angry and angered the, the enemy that you and I have. They, he's going to lose. He's just trying to take as many people with him. So he's going to speak to you, and I believe he speaks to us in five ways. He speaks to us in five reasons why we don't fish. Five reasons why. When you start to think about it, because we've all agreed, you and I are in this great commission together, that it's not my job to bring people to church. It's your job to bring people to church. It's not my job to talk to people about God. It's your job to talk to people about God. It's not my job to make sure that we're growing this thing, this thing called the, the global church and the global body of Christ. It's y'all's job. It's our job, right? So if it's our job, then the enemy's going to hit you with some bullets. I'm going to show you five reasons why we don't fish. Five things that the enemy likes to come in and talk to you about. And I'm going to get rid of, I'm going to, just, I'm going to identify the enemy today so that you can, I, you can go, that ain't God. I rebuke that. I don't accept that. I'm going to do my purpose. Amen? Five reasons we don't fish. Number one is this. First reason we don't oftentimes is this, is our life and our message don't line up. Like our life and our message don't line up. Here's what happens. God reaches us. He connects us. He redeems us. He changes our life. And then all of a sudden, pink people start seeing us differently. And you start trying to walk out this thing called Christianity. And then you make a mistake. And then you, you fail. And then you sin again. And then this thing like jumps up in you. And you're just like, man, my life and my man. When you start to make bad decisions. And then you start living contrary to the Christian 
life. There's a word for that where you talk a whole lot, but you don't do it at all. There's a word that we get called all the time, and it's, you know what, it's accurate. And they, they, call, us, they call us hypocrites. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They say Christians are, one of the most labeled things of Christians are that we're hypocrites. And you know the funny thing is? Is they're true. Is they're right. They're right. They're right. We as Christians do a whole lot of talking and a whole lot less of doing. We like to walk around and tell people, you shouldn't do that while you do that yourself. We, 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 like, to, we like to act holy. When Jesus didn't say act holy, he said get close to the holy one. You find yourself acting a lot more holy. You don't act holy. You, you be holy by being close to the holy one. And, he, and he's, he's concerned with our ability to do, not just talk about. And it, if you don't live your life genuine in your faith, that could hinder you, come on, from trying to reach people. Mark chapter 7 says this. He says, he replied, this is Jesus talking. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. It is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. He says, I'm concerned with the people who talk a whole lot that you're a Christian, but you don't act like it at all outside of Sunday morning between 9.30 and 11.15. That at the moment you drive out of here, you take off your Christian spirit, and now all of a sudden you're just San Antonian. <laughs> that when you walk into your job, you're not a Christian there. Oh, but at church, I'm a Christian, Pastor. Oh, but, but, but you know... When I walk into HEB, I can't handle that. Sorry. On social media, I, 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 I try to be a Christian, but don't get me talking about politics. Don't catch me talking about, you know, the controversial. Don't say something about something. And you spend your life in the comment section? Come on. And, and so many of us don't reach people because we know deep down inside you can't talk about God when you don't live godly yourself. Like, we don't go fish, and it's a valid reason why we don't fish. An effective fisherman, we saw in Scripture, they need to clean their nets. Have you ever met someone where you're like, hey, do you know God? And they looked at you, and they go, do you know God? Like, if somebody's asking you if you're a Christian, if they're confused by you inviting them to church, there's a problem. There's a disconnect from what you know and how you walk. If they're surprised, when you say something like, hey, we have church on, on Easter. My church is doing a, my church, your church. What? I didn't even know you were a Christian. That's a problem. That, that's a problem. Why? Because your life and your message don't line up. We need to have clean nets on a regular basis. We need to clean our lives. We need to go to God and repent. Walk out the way of the fishermen. That the one thing you and I need to be on a regular basis is being taking our, it's not living a perfect life. It's not making mistakes all the time. It's just going to the God who can clean your net. It's like, God, every day I got to go to you and say, look, God, I'm about to wake up tomorrow and I want to wake up with some clean nets. Because when I catch fish, here's the problem. If you never cleaned your nets, it would rot and it would actually break the net. So you couldn't catch anything if you had broken, dirty, rotting nets. And some of us in our lives, we have broken, dirty, rotting lives. 
And you need and I need to go to God and say, God, I need you to clean this on a daily basis like they cleaned it daily. There was a reason that you and I need to go to God regularly on a regular basis to say, God, I need you to clean the ugliness inside of me so that whenever I go try to fish, I catch somebody. Come on. So like when I walk out and I go, listen, you know what? I'm inviting you to church because my church has got like 70,000, you know, experiences for Easter this year. They're like, well, we can't go Sunday morning. Well, great. We can go Saturday night. Well, I can't go Saturday night at 5. Well, great. You can go Saturday night at 630. Well, I can't do Saturday night at 630. Can you go well, about Sunday at 9? Well, I, got, I can't get sleep. Okay, that's great. I got nine. How about 1130? Like 1115. Like, you know, there's a reason your church has equipped you to do that. Why? So that when you walk up to them, you got an ability to catch them. But you can't do that if your life and your message don't line up. I'll get off of that because, you know, we just talk about something else, Pastor. All right, number two. Second reason is some fish aren't worth it to us. Dramatic pause. So, some of us, you look at the fish of the world, they ain't worth it. I, I went fishing with my son, Riley, one time. He caught a fish. So cute. He was little. And they were so excited when they catch fish, you know. Kids are excited because it's like a living thing on a hook and it's flopping around. And he's like, Dad, it's a fish. I go, go get it. So pull it up for him, and he grabs the fish, and uh, the fish had spikes on its, on its uh, I don't know, what do you call that top part? The haunches? Is that weird? The haun- is there, do fish have haunches, babe? Is that weird? <laughs> the top part of the fish? So he grabbed the fish, and it had spikes on it, and it poked him, and he grabbed it. I'm not kidding you. He grabbed it, poked him. He dropped it, picked it up, and he threw it in the water. <laughs> Just threw it. I was laughing, and he was sad because he lost his fish, but he was mad because the fish hurt him. I said, son, why'd you do that? We could have kept that fish. And he goes, well, I didn't want it. It hurt me. It hurt me. The truth is, there's some people in your life, you know right now that you are actually called to reach, but you don't reach them because they hurt you. There was a day where you, you, you fished for them. Come on, I'm going to poke you a little bit. Is that Okay. Like, this might be the uncomfortable part of, of the church, but, but, but you reach them. Hey, have you ever met those people you did everything for, and then they poked you, and they hurt you, and they stabbed you in the back, they hugged you with a knife, right? And you, you know, you, 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 you know in your heart, you're called to reach them and fish and catch them for God because they're looking at you to see this God you're talking about, and you can't get past your hurt, and you can't get past your, your, your frustration, and your anger, and your sadness, and your, your disgust, and your betrayal, and you're like, they're not worth it. But every fish is worth it. The greatest fishermen, I, I just, I've noticed this, the greatest fishermen, they have no bias to fish. They catch everything because they just want to fish. They just want to catch something. They know that they're out there. There's a whole lot of sitting happening at fishing sometimes. You just sit. You don't catch anything, but you, you, you just sit. Fishermen want to catch. They want to catch everything. Come on. Come on. There's more room in the bucket. Come on. Like, I want to catch everything. And for you to do that as a person, we have to learn to forgive. You, you know, this is a statement we're going to say, we, we, we kind of say at this church, forgiven people forgive people. 
forgiven people forgive people. Jesus forgave you, therefore we forgive others. It's independent of what they do. Jesus did something bigger than what they did to you. So your posture and our posture to reach and to catch some people is going to have to be forgiven, to move past that hurt, to move past that wrong, because they are worth it. Somebody say amen. Number three is this, is it's inconvenient. Some people don't fish because it's inconvenient. Like, really? I got to do that to reach somebody? I'd rather watch Netflix. Well, most people would rather watch Netflix. But you can't take Netflix with you. How often do we, we not do things simply because it was inconvenient? I like how he says in verse 5, they toiled all night, so they cleaned all their nets. You got to remember, that stuff is hard work. Fishing in that world is hard work. You're pulling up nets. It's heavy. It's wet. It's stinky. You did it all night. You're tired. You're frustrated. You're cleaning the nets. You're getting all the fish stuff out. You got all that stuff, that mucky stuff that happens on the bottom of the water, and it's gross, and it's nasty. And then some rabbi has the nerve to walk up to you and say, hey, do it again. That's inconvenient. That's the definition of inconvenience. You're making me do something out of my comfort zone. So when we hand you an invite for Easter, and you're like, I can't, that's out of my comfort zone. I cannot do that. I can't, I can't. Tell someone, knock on my neighbor's door. Unless their music's too loud, I'm not knocking on their door. Like, why would I ever tell someone about, put it on social media. If I do that, they'll think I go to church. Well, God forbid. And your church, me by nature as a pastor, I'm going to ask you to do things on behalf of God too, that's going to be inconvenient for you. You won't like it. It's not your cup of tea. It's not your personal preference. It, you wouldn't do it if you could do it. You wouldn't do it if you wanted to do it. You might not do it ever, but I'm asking you to do it on behalf of God. So why, why, why? Am I asking you to do it so that you can build a big name? No, so that you can tell someone about the one man who can change their life. I'm begging you on behalf of your friend and your circle of influence for their future to tell them about God. That Easter is coming. You should walk out of here with 50 invites going, I don't care what happens. Somebody's coming with me in two weeks. Somebody, I'm going to pick every service. I'm going to have someone new that comes. Even if I have to go get them, I'm going to bribe them. I'm going to tell them we're going to a rodeo, and then we're going to show up here. I don't care. At the end of the day, like, Pastor, you asked somebody to lie. No, I'm just being silly, but come on. There's got to be something inside of us that inconvenience is not the reason you don't say something about God. It was inconvenient for them to throw their nets, and what happened when they moved past their inconvenience? Blessing. God has called us to be obedient to the call of a fisherman, that you and I are called to reach people and to build lives. We're called to reach. We're called to go get someone. We're called to go fish. So be obedient, then blessing comes. It's going to be on the other side of inconvenience. I've never met anybody who did anything significant in their life and said, yeah, it was easy. It's real convenient. Came at the right time. Cost me nothing. Matter of fact, it was the easiest thing I ever did. I have never really done anything in my life. Just kind of sat back and let it come to me. Said no person of significance ever. Ever. Why? Because we're called from purpose. Number four is this. Some reason we don't, sometimes we don't fish because we have a fear of rejection. Some of us have a real fear of like, man, if I say this, 
they could say no. And then what? And I always laugh at them. I go, and then what? The worst that they could say is no. No, that's okay. Okay. And you're like, well, then why should we say it at all? Because some people won't say no. Hey, guess what? I'll prove it to you. Y'all ready to prove it to you? I'm really smart. It's really good. I'll show you how smart I am. I'll prove it to you. You didn't say no. Boom. You didn't say no. You're here? Come on. Some. Did you know this? That the majority of Christendom in America is going to come to church on Easter somewhere. Statistics say it. Every statistic will tell you that if you, if you invite someone to church on Easter, it's somewhere in the 90 percentile. Think about that. That someone will say yes. People who don't even claim to be Christians will come because they feel the moral obligation to do so in Texas. Now, other places, it might be a little different. But right now where we live, most people are looking for a place to go. And if you got a good flavor of what you like from God, come on. Why wouldn't you tell? Do you, when you go to a restaurant that you love, do you go back home and say, I'm not telling anybody about that? Never, never. When you find a restaurant you love, you walk around, you go, you become their greatest advocate. That's why it's silly for restaurant people to like make people angry. It's like, that's ridiculous. Do everything you can. There's no better advertisement than them having a good experience. And it's the same thing for church. You're going to walk around and say, look, man, there's something in our church. It's not the best church. It's not the perfect church. It's not the only church. But I really, really like it, and I think you would too. And you know what? When you walk up to somebody, when you're fishing like that, fish just jump into your boat. When can I go? Can I go tomorrow? I want to go with you right now. I want, man, that sounds amazing. Why? Because you felt like, man, I, I know, but you could run into some people who are going to say no. You might hear people say no, but you might hear people say Yes. It reminds me of a story I was reading the other day. They said this. There was a little boy on a beach rescuing starfish, and an old man was puzzled one day as he watched the little boy throw starfish back into the sea one by one. The old man approached the diligent young boy who seemed to be so determined and asked, young man, what does it matter? Do you see this beach? Look it up, this beach. There are thousands of starfish. You can't possibly save them all. The little boy paused for a moment, looked at the starfish in his hand. He replied with absolute certainty. He said, yeah, but it matters to this one. Like, you might hear no a thousand times, but the one person that says yes, you know what? Were you so thankful? That, are you so thankful for the person that invited you to church? Come on. Has your life been changed because you met this crazy thing, called, this crazy God called Jesus, and you're like, man, as soon as I met him, it wasn't that all things worked out. It's that all of a sudden I felt like I had someone in my corner. And in the day that we live in, where loneliness and depression and anxiety run rampant, some people need somebody in their corner. And as you start building your life on Jesus and start building your life in God and you start building your life in church and you surround yourself with like-minded individuals and we get in a small group and you start connecting with people, I'm just telling you, they are, on the, they are waiting for your invitation. They're waiting for it. So it doesn't matter if five say no. If one says yes, it was worth it because it mattered to that one. And the last one is this, and I'm closing. It says we... So as our life and message don't line up. Some fish aren't worth it. It's inconvenient. Fear of rejection. The last one is this. We don't feel qualified. It's like, I don't know if, I, I don't know if I'm qualified enough to talk about Jesus. 
some people in here really feel like, you know, well, I don't know, I, I don't know a lot of scripture, and I don't have Bible verses memorized, and if I say something about God, they're going to want to debate. I, I'm a pastor who people love to debate with, and rarely do I have that happen to me. Let me just put you at ease. And the people that want to debate, just say, oh, okay, no, sorry, no, okay, okay, time out. That's not what I was trying to do. Sorry, sorry, time out. It's all good. 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 Love you. Let's go, let's, go, let's go to a barbecue. How about that? Start there. But most people are, they're waiting for your invitation, and they're not looking at you to be a Bible scholar to invite them to church. They don't need you to know how many words are in the Torah. They don't need to make sure that, hey, I'm not going with you to church unless you've been to church at least 10 years. 10 years? Nine and a half? All right, I'll let it slide. I've never met anybody why I invited a church to go like, all right, recite the New Testament beginning to end, and then I'll come. <laughs> we generally feel unqualified. We feel like, I don't know enough about this God to tell them, let me just tell you. Let me, let me just put you at ease. Most of the people that follow Jesus didn't know anything about him. They just knew the one thing. They knew one thing. They, this is the one, they knew one thing. They knew the one thing that they needed was him. I, like, I don't, you look all throughout Scripture, there's a ton of part where people go like, I don't know. I don't know. This guy's just, but dude, did you just see? He just made some dude blind see again. That guy was crippled since birth, and now he's doing a moonwalk. I don't understand it, but I, I'm following him. He just walked on water. That's good enough for me. Most people just need to know that, like, man, Jesus is for you and not against you. I love this scripture in Corinthians. This is a letter to the Corinthian church in a city called Corinth. Paul was writing this letter, and he says, it's not that we think we are qualified. I love how he says we. Because Paul, just so you know, Paul wasn't an idiot. He was very smart. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. So he knew a lot about the Torah, a lot about Jewish tradition. He, could, he was one of the greatest thinkers of that age, so he wasn't an idiot. He knew exactly what was going on. And when he had a revelation of Jesus, he had even more knowledge of what was going on. And I love how he says this. He says, it's not that we think we're qualified to do anything on our own. We're not qualified. The truth is about that whole qualification question, you're not. So settle that in your heart. You're not qualified to talk about Jesus. Here's what's great, though. When you have Jesus in your heart... You, your qualification comes from him. So then now, if it's all of a sudden it becomes, you don't need to know a bunch about God. You just need to know the God that you're talking about. Come on. That's different. That's different. You don't need to know a whole lot about God. You just need to know the God you're talking about. And in your journey with him, you're going to learn more about him. You're going to read more of the Bible. You're going to get more closer to him. Of course, you're going to live more holy. Why? Because you're going to be more connected to him. But that's not the prerequisite to talk about Jesus. Your prerequisite to talk about Jesus is that you know of Jesus. And so since most of you do and most of us do because you came on a rainy day and you're sitting in here right now, you have something to say. You have a job to do. You have a, a mission that is sent by Jesus to go and to reach people and build lives. God, doesn't quali God qualifies those who aren't qualified. He used tax collectors. He used uh, tradesmen. He used uh, religious zealots, he used fishermen. 
And if you feel like at the end of the day, I don't know, I'm just a fill in the blank, great. Welcome to the team. You're now qualified under God to talk about him because you have a story that no one could argue with. I was told somebody the other day, they're like, well, what do I say to them? You know, what if they start talking about God? I said, well, don't debate scripture with them. Tell them your story. They're like, why? Why, why tell them my story? I said, because they can't debate your story. They can't debate your story. What are they going to say? What are they, they going to say when you say, man, God changed my life? Let me just tell you, this is how I was before I met him. This is how I am now after I met him. It didn't mean I went from imperfect to perfect. It means I went from uncovered to covered. And when it rains, here's what I know. It's a whole lot different for the people who have a cover. Come on. The storms feel different when you ain't got no umbrella. I went from being uncovered. I went from being orphan to being a son. I went from being unqualified to qualified, from shame, come on, to to value, from hopeless to hope, from sadness to joy, from war to peace. That's what Jesus offers. He doesn't offer no problems. He offers a security in the problems. And you have the the key to that for the rest of the world. So here's my challenge. Here's my charge today. Come on. Y'all have to be pumped up and excited for church in two weeks. If you were ever looking to invite someone and for it to have a high possibility of them coming, it's in two weeks. Easter is not about a religion or a holiday. Easter is about, we're going to leverage the idea that people are recognizing that the Son of Man died and rose again, and we get to celebrate it right now in this country. We might not forever, but we do now. And we're going to utilize it to the best, come on, to the best of our ability, that you and I have a responsibility because we're part of the family to invite someone and to bring someone in this place. We gave you four services, not because we think we're going to fill them all, because we know we're going to fill them all. Because you're going to have the passion to go out there and say, listen, I'm bringing someone every service. Every service. I'm bringing, that's my job. I'll bring someone every, so whether it's one person, two person, or five people, I don't care. Someone's coming with me. Do not come alone on Easter. You have a great opportunity. We have a great opportunity to reach our city for Jesus. It starts on some of these days. These are days where we can, man, come on, we can utilize and leverage our culture for the one thing that Jesus died for. He said, on this rock, I will build my, come on, my church, my church, my church, my church. I'm offended at people who don't value the church because Jesus valued the church. It's his bride. He's coming back for it. He wouldn't come back if it wasn't no big deal. If you went to heaven, you wouldn't come back. Trust me. He's coming back for his church. This is a big deal. I want to have, you want to have, we want to have something to offer him and say, look, Jesus, look what we did. Look what we did for you. We've got, we, we, this is your bride. 
we made her great. Come on, like y'all, when you're a bride, when you're getting married, come on. You dial up, you do all the, you want to get it. That's what we're doing. We're getting it ready. We're getting this church the best thing we could do. So when Jesus comes down in all of his reign, he goes, man, look at this. Well done. I want to hear, well done. Good and faithful servant. You can have that too. I'm giving you the opportunity. I'm equipping you to say today is the day. So when you walk out of here, grab an invite. When you get out at home and you get on your phone, or that, you this next two weeks, I want to see more social media pushes about the church in Easter. We got an event for you, but you need to be talking and telling everybody about your church once a day. Just, God, I'm just getting up and I got to tell somebody about it. Do you realize the, the power of your influence in social media? There's companies that pay millions for it. You have a power. You have an influence. It's easier than ever to invite someone. You need to be on that. You need to be in your neighborhood. You need to be in your job. You need to be, I'm telling you, you need to tell someone today, this week, these next two weeks, we have an opportunity. Let's make it count. Amen?